Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Hi, this is Roderick Edwards again. I'm a reoccurring guest on the Screaming Chewy show. Has anyone seen Chewy? He's supposed to pay me for doing these damn promos. Fat ass mother... Hey everyone, today we're celebrating 100 episodes of Screaming Chewy Show. That's two years, two seasons of this podcast running, and I couldn't have done it without you listening right now. Huge fucking thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Uh, everybody who's been a part of my journey, my people that have been guests on my show, um, fellow podcasters that... You know, help me out, gave me advice, and, you know, the listeners, you, um, you know, my sponsors, uh, Tucson Rising Phoenix uh, Fitness and Defense, uh, huge fucking thank you to you as well. Um, you know, just everybody, man, I couldn't have done it without you guys, um, because if not, I'd just be fucking talking to myself and nobody listening, right? Who wants to do that? I'm not that crazy. Anywho, enjoy the show. Here's some moments from season two. Hey, this is Don Smith with the Life Radio Show and Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton, Ohio. You're listening to the Screaming Chewy Show. Enjoy. Like a badass hillbilly or something. Exactly. So we're looking around thinking, you know, we've got all these prop weapons sitting out there. We've got guns. We've got big swords. And they're all looking through trying to find what. Well, we were filming in somebody's house. And for some reason, they had a croquet mallet leaning against the wall. And I was like, ah, I found my weapon. (laughs) So Reggie's introduction into the film, he comes in swinging this croquet mallet and takes out these three well-armed guys. (laughs) At least it wasn't a corn on the cob, right? Fucking corn (laughs) holding. Nope. But later on, that's that's when I get sadistic because we're going we, now that it goes to a new scene and these three guys are tied up in the chairs instead of my daddy and we're getting ready to cut them up. But yeah. they've got they've got these wounds on them from this the, this mallet, so I'm kind of giggling and poking at them. <laughs> Don't it? It's kind of sadistic redneck just poking at their wounds and laughing at them and getting right up in their face. And then I got to go get the big knife. Daddy says, "Get the big knife. We got to cut them up." And then Ooh, I, <laughs> fuck, bro, that sounds pretty fucking crazy oh it was so much fun but here's the cool thing is reggie i'm not this is a bit of a spoiler but this movie's been out for over three years now uh reggie was supposed to be killed in the next scene he gets attacked by the zombies and he's supposed to be killed but after we had so much fun ad-libbing that first scene the director rewrote the script and brought Reggie back at the end to take out two of the main bad guys. <laughs> oh, dude. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, and, and I developed a theory because zombies are always after brains and Reggie didn't have enough to, to, to do anything for him. So he just assumed he was, they, they just assumed he was a zombie too. <laughs> He's like, hey, y'all, they like me. <laughs> These are my friends. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, independent film is so crazy to work on because i love stories like that stories of weird things that happen on set i love stories about working on horror movies and having to drive home covered in blood oh that's the best right there i love that that's sick stuff man is especially when they're covered in blood and like you were saying covered in blood driving home 
Like, that shows, like, you're a fucking survivor, yo. <laughs> you went through some shit right there. Mm-hmm. One of our guys I work with on uh, on Six Feet Below Hell, uh, Doug Whitlatch, he was, he did, they did all of his makeup real good, and he was driving home, and apparently he passed somebody that took down his license plate number and reported him to the police because he was dry. He was covered in <laughs> fake blood and all these cuts and things on his face. And by the time he got home, the police were in his driveway questioning his wife about her husband's whereabouts. <laughs> oh my God. Then he pulls up like that. Like, Hey guys, <laughs> I, I brought, I brought dinner. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Cause that's, that's the funny thing is I I'm worried sometimes if I get pulled over and they decide to search my car because I still have like props in the back. I got blood. I got fake blood soaked clothes in the back of my car right now with these muddy boots and a shovel. And it's like, what have you been doing? <laughs> it's like, if they're going to be a lot of questions, but no, I, I love stuff. There was one, uh, Boggy Creek, the Bigfoot series, which you can actually see on Amazon prime right now. Uh, episode two, I, uh, I'm a featured lead. And at one point I fall and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poacher. I'm setting traps up out and I get, uh, I get accosted by Bigfoot. Well, I had fallen in the, in the movie and I get one of my bear traps clamped on my hand. So I have all this fake blood all over my hand and I'm rolling around in the dirt, you know, every, the mud, it was cold as hell that day. There was frost and snow and I'm rolling around in it with this fake blood all over my hand. Well, I get home after filming this and my wife wants to go out to dinner (laughs) and she wants to go somewhere nice. I'm like, Oh crap. All right. So I hop in the shower real quick. I get dressed up, put on a suit. We go to this, uh, this nice family, family owned Italian restaurant. I can't even remember the name of it. Real nice place. And I walk in and I've got this long black trench coat because it's winter time. And that's just, I have a wool trench coat that I wear because I, I love it. And I'm wearing a suit and I look down, I notice I didn't get all the fake blood off my hand when I took a shower real quick. So I'm like, oh crap. I was like, I'll be, we're waiting to get a table. So I said, if we get a table, I'll be right back. So I go into the men's room to wash this blood off my hand. So here I am. I'm not a small guy. I'm wearing this nice suit. I got this long black coat. And I'm washing blood off my hand in the men's room sink. The door opens behind me and I look up in the mirror and this guy looks at me, looks down at my hand, looks back up at me in the mirror. And I just nod at him real quick. He turns around, closes the door and leaves. (laughs) He's like, I'm not dealing with this shit. I saw nothing. Because it's it's an Italian restaurant of all things. It's like, oh, somebody just got whacked. Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I just i hope that this guy went out and grabbed his wife and said we got to get the hell out of here now i don't know what's going down but i don't want to be any part of it somebody swimming with the fishes <laughs> you just you should have said it like oh do i got marinara sauce all over yeah. me <laughs> no I, I like the idea that we just i never i never cracked a smile i never said a word i just looked at him as stern as can be and <laughs> nodded in the mirror and he turned around and left <laughs> I was playing it up because I thought it was funny. <laughs> it, it was understood, even though yeah. not a word was spoken. 
Yeah, the stuff that's that's the stuff I love about doing independent film is the weird stories you get out of it like that. And, and you know, he's probably out there right now still telling that story to people he knows, like, yo, dude, I went to this Italian restaurant, I saw a mobster cleaning blood. <laughs> <laughs> he's cleaning blood off his fist, his knuckles were covered in this. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah. I was, <laughs> He's all watching Goodfellas and Casino. He's like, I witnessed yeah. that. <laughs> that stuff's real. It happened in Dayton. I saw it. <laughs> I just hope they don't recognize me. <laughs> he probably thinks he's got a hit out on him. He probably moved out of state. He's living in a cabin in Colorado right now. He's all paranoid. The <laughs> they're, they're gang stalking me. The Italians. They're after me. Yeah. He went in the witness bro witness protection program. Nobody knows. <laughs> His wife and kids don't know what happened to him. He just left. <laughs> I ruined a family and didn't even know it. All because of some silly movie. <laughs> the kids all dead said he went to get cigarettes and he never came back. Oh, but yeah, that's that's the that's the fun stuff I do and the fun stuff I do on the life. Of course, you were just on there. And one of the things that has become popular on my show apparently is my news segments because I'm also, I'm, I'm now part of the uh, breaking the fourth wall podcast with uh, Christopher Stolle, Chris Rudder, uh, Colin Washburn and Serenity Stone, which I love the name Serenity Stone. It just, it sounds like something like the, like the infinity gauntlet. Ain't that <laughs> for real? It's, it's an enhance. The Serenity Stone is an enhancement to the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> Anybody that gets both rules the world, <laughs> and you get inner peace. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, yeah. Serenity and all knowing power. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that's possible to have both. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, all knowing power. There is nothing serene about that because there's that's, some crap going on. <laughs> that's very fucking true, man. <laughs> But on the Breaking the Fourth Wall podcast, I started doing the, uh, we call it the news buffet. And it's the news buffet because, you know, it may not be very good, but there's a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good way to put it, bro. That's, that's perfect, actually. So I do the news buffet on that show. And every now and then, uh, Patrick, who is my producer of the Life Radio Show when we're in the actual live air studio, he does the WWSU morning show. So he's invited me on a couple times to do the Freaky Friday news segment. So I have somehow become the wacky news guy now. So I did, after we did our, after you just did my show, we came back on here. I found a story that I don't know how I missed. Oh, I love it already. That I just have to share with you. Please share it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, are a lot, there are a lot of facets to this that are fascinating to me. A man remarkably escaped unharmed after he tried to swat a fly and his house blew up. <laughs> <laughs> the man who was in his 80s was about to settle down for a bite to eat on Friday when he heard a buzzing. Unable to concentrate on his food, the Frenchman uh, grabbed an electric fly swatter. <laughs> he took aim at the infuriating insect only for <laughs> the air around him to erupt. A gas canister in his Dordogne home was leaking. The gas vapor reacted with the electric, electronic racket and sparked a fierce explosion. The blast was big enough to destroy the kitchen and part of the roof in his uh, Park El Chenaud village home. Uh, somehow, the elderly man escaped from the uh, shocking incident with just a burn on his hand. What? The victim was transported to, transported to Le Bourne, uh, Hospital for checkups. 
uh, the man was checked into a local campsite <laughs> while his family <laughs> repair the home. It's like, just send Grandpa camping. He can't blow shit up that way. Mars. <laughs> now, now, here's something I found fascinating in this article. It says, incidents of people exploding themselves or their surroundings are fairly common. <laughs> really? In 2017, Alexander uh, Sasha Chechik accidentally killed himself as he took pictures in his car with a grenade with the pin removed. <laughs> <laughs> that was his the, last selfie. <laughs> yeah, the grenade exploded, killing the 26-year-old Russian instantly. It was believed that Chechik was taking pictures with a deadly device to impress his friends. <laughs> hey, guys, check it out. <laughs> yeah, look what I got. <laughs> <laughs> If one of my friends all of a sudden said, check it out, dude, look what I got, and he exploded, I think I would just wait there and be like, is this a magic trick? Is he going to, like, come back out of nowhere? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just a – don't take selfies with devices that can explode. And if there's a gas leak, put down the electronic fly swatter. The fly is not that important. Just get out of the house, report the gas leak, the fly will get blown up. <laughs> Imagine, like, at the obituary, his, his picture right there at the ceremony is him with a grenade. Like, <laughs> how yeah, he died? <laughs> it was his last selfie. <laughs> he loved things like that. His social media page just blew up after that one. <laughs> Bro, you know yeah. Marco He posted old. that to TikTok, 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 TikTok. <laughs> People are like, wow, that's some good special effects. Yeah, like, that's oh. amazing. <laughs> Just blew me away with that one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's a little taste of the uh, of the news stories that I do on my show. And the the old man that exploded with the fly swatter. You you think he like tells people like you better watch out for them exploding flies? And they're like, what are you talking about? I've been there, man. He's talking yeah. like he was in Nam. I hear a fly yeah. exploding. Yeah. Oh, mur from murder hornets to grenade flies. That's what. <laughs> They're like fucking suicide bombers, yo, going kamikaze. Oh. Yeah, he, he got done with that. He walked out and said, I told you I'd get you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Hi, this is Roderick Edwards again. I'm a reincurring guest on the Screaming Chewy show. I've been forced to record this promo, or Chewy's going to have his cello friends hurt me. Help. You got two different types of people who want revolution. You got the people who are like the, fuck the government, I'm going to kill everybody. Let's just take everybody down. You know, they, they, they want complete anarchy. They it just would, want blood, huh? It, it would be crazy. It's sort of like a, what? What's that, Purge? It's oh, like, yeah, the Purge? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it'd be like. It's or like Mad Max. A, there you go. Or, you know, the worst version of both those put together would be anarchy, would be that kind of revolution. I'm not certain we want that kind because only people who are going to survive are the people who got the most guns, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, or the really smart ones. Yeah, we're really smart ones that are living in a cave somewhere with their voice masks. <laughs> But audios. Oh wait a minute. So, <laughs> so I started like there's a few years ago actually when I started writing this book and I set it down for a while. I was like, okay, let me think about this. I wrote it during actually probably started getting written during the first election of Obama, 2008. Oh wow. 
when Obama was getting elected, all the people on the right were, oh, Obama, he's going to be this, this uh, socialist. He's going to usher in the Muslim Brotherhood, which he did some of that stuff. And then I put it down for a while. And then guess who gets elected next? Trump. Mm-hmm. So be careful here what I'm going to say here. But we have two sides of two different coins. Some people hate Trump because, you know, they believe all the, he's this guy, he's this racist guy. Well, he wasn't racist before he ran for president. But also, mm. they, nobody con- considered him racist, is what I'm saying. Nobody ever considered he, We have pictures of him with Snoop Doggy and, and P. Diddy and all them other people. That's very true, yeah. So nobody said he was racist until he ran for president. So my point is, is that we have two different concepts of revolution, why people want to take over government. We have the Obama, the left-winger. He's going to come in there. He's going to take all our guns, and he's going you know, to force us to join the UN, blah, blah, blah. Then we have people who hate Trump. He's going to force it so everybody can't have an abortion, blah, 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 and he's going to put the Nazis in charge, and blah, blah, blah. You have all this. So, so where are we in this? How does this all happen, and, and why? And can, could we even overtake the government if we wanted to? Or I mean, could we even come together and just agree to terms, right? right. that's what why we need we, to do. And why would we want to take over the government, and what would we put in its place? That's a very good point. Like you were saying um, about tyranny, right? about it being like a cruel oppression, that would be a good enough reason to overthrow a government. But right. is it well, a cruel the, oppression right now? Exactly. I mean, we even looked at the uh, the American Revolution, and they said the reason they had to overthrow the king is because they were being taxed. Well, if you really look at the taxation, especially like the Boston Tea Party, they weren't even being taxed 1%. I guarantee you I'm taxed at 32% every dollar I make right now. But you don't see me getting up trying to take over the government 32%. Maybe I should, but I don't do it. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. We, th- we fucking threw the T over, over taxes. Yeah, and now 100%. we're being taxed, like we're being raped. <laughs> and now imagine the dude, now I'm not super rich. Please, you wouldn't know because I'm hiding in a cave. I could be <laughs> all decked out in you know, bearskin rugs for all you know. You got but fucking it, piles of money in there? Yeah, piles of money and all that stuff. Gold, gold chandeliers hanging from the top of the cave. You're burning the money to stay warm in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you got enough. <laughs> so I got got the nuclear missiles coming in the back that I bought from the Al Qaeda. <laughs> but the point is, is that I mean, we how would you even start a revolution? If you want to, do we have enough guns to start a revolution? As I said in the book, the, the one of the flashpoints that I thought was kind of interesting not too long ago was this Cliven Bundy dude. I don't know if you remember this. It's like mom, um, like eight years ago or so. He was a rancher out in, I think, in your region there, close to Arizona somewhere, maybe. Hmm. Well, him and his, him and his family, I guess they were letting their cattle graze on supposed government land, and they'd done it for years and years and years and years, but now suddenly uh, when Obama was in charge, I think it was Obama, he, his government was saying, no, you can't do this. You got to pay us money, blah, blah, blah. You can't graze your – and he got hostile and said, no, we're not, I'm not going to back down, and a whole bunch of people met him and his land, and there were snipers and stuff on the bridges and stuff, and they sent the government out to basically quell this thing, and they, they wow. backed down. Don't you remember this? The government yeah. backed down because it was going to be a bloodbath had the government tried to push them off the land. Wasn't there like a shitload of people with them? Yeah, there was. Like they all, they, they start, all the militias started coming from nowhere and setting up camp around this government land that, where he'd been grazing his cattle. On, like I said, they had sniper rifles on the militia, sitting on overpasses, Fuck. waiting for the government to come. They knew what they were doing. 
Mm-hmm. They were ready for it. I thought that was, I almost thought that was going to be the second sparking of the revolution. Because you never know what sparks the revolution. The first one was sparked not by some chaotic people like we'd see nowadays. Fuck the government! You know? Anarchy! Anarchy! Yeah, yeah. that's not, that's not going to work. This Antifada stuff that you see these guys, these, these black masks walking around, these little weekend warriors who are their little rich boys that are down their mom's basement going, let's, let's take some Molotov cocktails to the, to the protest, buddies. You know, that's never going to work. All they're going to do is piss people off. Um, are you familiar with that game, Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, yeah. I usually, I, I, first time I played that, because I'm a 51-year-old dude, first time I played that, I tried to play it as if I was going to be a nice guy, but they kept shoulder-chucking me. Old lady yeah. shoulder-chucking me in the road. Like, all right, you got to go down now. <laughs> I'm trying so, to be nice, but you're shoulder checking me. In the, so, you know, you start, you start killing innocent people, then the cops come, you start killing them, and then you get overwhelmed. Now, yeah. it always right. ends the same way you <laughs> fucking die. And that's pretty much like real life. If you yeah. start doing that in real life, you're going to end the same way as the game, except you don't exactly. restart, you know? Restart. <laughs> the difference is the American Revolution and other revolutions, but I'll use the American one for this case, is they thought it out and thought it out and thought it out. There wasn't, there wasn't one a sudden spur on the moment. Hey, let's go fuck the government, the English, blah, blah, blah. We hate the, we don't hate red, we hate the color red, blah, blah, blah. They, it was none of that. They it all out. They wrote it all out. They looked at history. They said, what is the best types of government? What's caused governments to fail in, in the past? Which I hate to say this, but I'm sure some people are listening to this are going to get upset, but socialism okay. never worked. Mm. So they said, well, let's not have socialism. Let's have complete independence for every individual where every individual is protected by one document that they can point to and says that you can't take my land because this document protects me that's what's different about the american constitution because technically the little lady who lives by the highway that's getting ready to come through she can say i'm not selling my land no matter what i've lived here all my life and the government didn't used to be able to come through and take her land they have to wait and wait and wait and wait until she died or build a highway around her house yeah yeah but now they use exactly and that was what's different about America is that you didn't used to be able to take people's land like that. Now they got eminent domain and they get ways around it. But the original difference, America, is that each individual had their own rights. It wasn't rights granted to them by a, a large majority or people who vote for a majority. I hate the word democracy, and most of the founders hated the word democracy because democracy is just what they call this, two, two wolves and a sheep trying to decide what to have for dinner. Oh, nice. Wow. That's, That's a good way to put it, bro. I like it. Democracy doesn't work because it's really once you get a group of people who are the, either the loudest or the majority, your rights go down the drain. I don't care what you believe. Yep. The rights that people fought for, you know, that you right. thought you are born with, they're like slowly dwindling away. Yeah. You were talking about the Second Amendment, the, the your last podcast. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's important because if I can't defend myself, not just from muggers in the street, but from the politician who wants to take away my rights, then, you know, I have no rights. And that's exactly why they gave us the Second Amendment, to protect yourselves against a government or a tyranny, right? Mm-hmm. When the people say that's enough, and, but nobody's going to do that nowadays, you know what I mean? Like, Well, well they might. We've we got to see how far we can be pushed. I don't know how far we got to get pushed. That's uh, true. Like I said in the, uh, in the intro, what, what I uh, gave this book to, the dedication was to Antonino Scalia. He was, a, he was a Supreme Court justice and back in 2016, somebody asked him, hey, what should we do if taxes get too high? He basically said, now granted, this is a Supreme Court justice. He said, if they get too high, 
I guess you'll need to revolt. Hey, this is Shani. Hey, and this is Sanchez. And we're the Happy Hour News Team. And you're listening to the Screaming Chewy Show. You can find us at happyhournewsteam.com. HappyHRnews at gmail.com. So tune in, man. Dude, I, oh man, after eating that pepper, I bet you fucking shit fired in you. It was bad. Um, I actually Dude. got like, my stomach was burning afterwards. I felt like shit. And then yeah. we went to go drink after that. We went to a bar and had beers and shit. Oh, then man. after that, I was like, ugh. And I don't feel day, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah if you tough. notice, we had boxes of popsicles in case the, the asshole burns. You just shove yeah, it up there. Just, it's like an ice yeah, little. Well, little we're, man. We're still wondering how you knew that, but we're not supposed to ask. <laughs> well, no, dude, that's a classic trick, man. When, like, hot days after work, you feel like teabagging a fucking bucket of ice, yeah. man. Just kind of setting the jewels in a bucket. And Slide your man pawns in on each side. You yep. Know? Get your man <laughs> pawns. One, one, one up the crack. I wanted to make a commercial for our show for man pawns. I think I still might do it. <laughs> do so, it, bro. Do you it. Know, <laughs> be, be on the – keep your ears open because we haven't done any video casting yet because, goddamn, just the audio, it's hard enough for me. I got – yeah. And so, I don't help bid on that shit. Yeah, Sanchez <laughs> just offers his voice. That's me. Hey, but he helps drink beer as well, right? That, that's important. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, we don't, we usually drink whiskey, but like I said, it got too fucking out of control last night. So we're, we're taming it down with some Pabst and hopefully a uh, little bit of weed here and call it good. Nice. You know, I, I love how you guys' intro, you hear that fancy music and you hear the ice in the glass. Can and, you hear um, this? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I do I believe that's my glass candles. here. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I made I, that record. Like I said, that's part of uh, uh, music that we had bought, the, like the rights to. And then I, one one morning, like six in the morning, I had two whiskey glasses and some ice. So what you're actually hearing is water poured because I wasn't about to start drinking fucking whiskey at six in the morning. <laughs> but it sounds like not, whiskey. Fuck. <laughs> It does. It, and, you know, sometimes as you guys are talking throughout your episodes, I can hear that same noise. So I'm like, oh, they're keeping it. Oh, true. yeah. 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 Because yeah, we usually drink. We got one of those roadcaster or procasters, whatever, one of them fancy uh, uh, podcasting boards. We got like, you know, push buttons that we can hit. And it's, you know. it's wow. a game changer. It, 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 you know, it does everything pretty much for you except yeah, the editing. If you want, you can record straight to a to a SD card on it. It's pretty I cool. I need to get me one of those, man. You guys are fancy, man. What we even talked about. Well, we were, <laughs> so, we were talking about, uh, well, I don't know why, but I was, I can't remember why, but I was mentioning that we got this fancy board, and it pretty much, oh, we were talking about. Hey, don't say thing. it again, because the shit's going to cut out We again. were talking about. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah. Talking about, we got these uh, eight buttons here that we can pre-record a sound into. It's like in a radio station when they hit the bumpers. Nice. Yeah, if I had that, nice. I would. I'd be playing like fart noises all the time. Or <laughs> fucking, have you have you guys heard the grapefruit lady? I don't think so. What does she so, do? So if you look on YouTube, this lady teaching a blowjob technique, and she has a big old dildo, and she shows that you cut a grapefruit, you cut the ends off, and then you cut a hole in it, and then you jerk your man off with the grapefruit and then suck him off. What? And she makes a noise. She's like, <laughs> so I, I would play that noise. 
How, gonna... how to grapefruit your man. Oh, you wow. Sanchez is pulling it up on the computer. If we had the mixer hooked up to his computer, we could probably pull that sound up for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let, yeah, we'll let him work on that. That's kind so, of cool, man, though, yeah. Tell me about your guys' show, man. What inspired you to start it? Oh, fuck, dude. A lot of whiskey. Uh, weed. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're living here in North Dakota in the wintertime. It is fucking cold. All right. For a long and fucking time. For a long time. time. And I'm talking not just chilly. I'm talking, you know, 25, 30 degrees below zero cold. Yeah. And so, like, on especially on weekends, you know, there is oh, literally man, nothing God to do. Damn. Yeah. And we live in a little tiny town of, like, 350 people. No, 600. Well, in Six. the area. In the town itself, oh, there's yeah. only 300 <laughs> houses. Does, does that? Okay, you're in Phoenix, right? Uh, Tucson. I'm pretty close to Phoenix. Oh, Tucson? Okay. So your town probably has more people on a block than we have in our whole town. Yeah. Fuck, man. Your, your, your fuck? town, there's a good chance that Tucson has a bigger population than our state. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how freaking isolated we are. And, I mean, what we wanted to do is just we, we always get together and shoot the shit. And, like, you hear what the fuck happened the other day? Or what the fuck is that fucking crazy dude saying? You know? And then, <laughs> like, well, there's always a Florida story. Yeah. There's never <laughs> going to be a shortage of the fucking Florida man. Then we'd find ourselves sitting at the kitchen table drinking either beers or whiskeys or whatever. And, you know, passing the whatever we're passing. And one of, you know, we'll have our laptops open talking about, would well, you see this shit? Did you see that shit? Did you see this shit? Did you see that shit? Yeah, we'll send each other links just yeah. sitting across. <laughs> sitting across from each other. <laughs> and we're like, well, well, like, well, you know what? If Why don't we record this shit? Yeah. So that's, you know, so where it just it all started, started. Out that we were just going to record it and listen to it later, you know. Well, well next thing you know, guys... is we got fucking microphones going. <laughs> yeah. And, and boards and mixing boards and software and shit. Becomes an addiction. It oh, is. Yeah. It's fun to do. It's a good time. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys did it, man. You guys are fucking hilarious. And, thanks, uh, man. Great news, too. You guys do very well. Well, you know, when we learned, it was a learning curve because we were, you know, just looking up any kind of wild, you know, funny shit that we could find. And some of it we found, realized it was like two years old or three years old, you know. And then we got hooked into that, what's that, that newspaper, the World Reporter. Oh, World News. The World News, you know, with the, this turns out to be the one that always has the picture of the Bat Boy on front, you know, and aliens oh, ain't my baby and shit like that. I remember that. It was yeah. black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they used to sell them at the at the grocery store at the at checkout. But stands. we didn't want to be that type of news. Yeah. We wanted to be, you know, fairly true and current. We used to record two weeks ahead of time because oh, we wow. had time. Yeah. But, you know, with the news, you can't really do that. It's summertime, uh, too. It's summertime's a whole different deal because people are out there doing shit. You know? And a lot of shit. nice. And you know, a lot of shit's going on currently right now. A lot of shit. And we have an opinion about it. You're going to fucking hear it if you tune in. Happy Hour News. Fuck yeah. <laughs> listen, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can wait till the podcast comes out and just listen there. <laughs> At least you get the listen like, points. They'll be like, motherfucker, they have to hear it again. Yeah. You know what? Them. Actually, I think it is. Is My phone probably just goes to sleep. Yeah, I think that's you got because you got it set for, to, go, to go down pretty fast. All right. Well, we'll just keep talking. I'll fuck with the phone and we'll just keep keep it going sweet yeah but anyway so we just started you know just that because and, and it's, it's harder in the summertime because you know people are doing shit 
I, so I've said a lot of wrong things at the wrong time to the wrong people and they didn't know it. You know, I was just having a conversation and guns have been pulled on me and said, you're a fucking cop. That's what you are. Oh, fuck. Whoa, man. No, no, no. You got the wrong idea, man. You know, and then friends had to explain, no, he's not a cop, man. He's not a cop. Uh, okay, there's one thing. You got time for one. There's one fast little oh, yeah, for sure. thing since I mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Here's where that, but it happened a lot. And it's happened three times. A friend of mine who was a really uptown guy in San Francisco, very well, but he, he knew a lot of underworld people. Um, he, knew, he knows all kinds of people, high people, low people, show business people. He knew me and he likes to take us. He liked to take me. He liked me as a friend. He's about, I was about 25 and he was about 40. And he would like to take me to dinners and stuff like that and introduce me around, you know. And that, that, that was it. That was, that was all. And I got to see San Francisco and famous people through him. Uh, he had a wife, you know, but she didn't like to go out with him. So he didn't like to go to places alone. He said, hey, Larry, you know. So one day he takes me to this. Um, he says, hey, Larry, I'm going over to a friend's house. They're having a party. I think it's his birthday. I think you'd be interested to meet the people there. So you want, want to come? And, and he's an interesting guy, too. Um, okay. So I said, okay. So I go, it's a house, just an apartment, a, a cheap apartment. You know, I mean, nothing expensive, an ordinary apartment. Walk in and the guy's uh, at the door and he's looking a little, a little, uh, he's looking uh, tough. That, that's all I can say. But it, it was his birthday. It was his house. Had a beard. I think he might've been, uh, I don't know. He was a white guy, I guess. I don't know. I look around in the party and there's a lot of mixture of people like me, like street people. And uh, the, my, my friend, this elite guy, uh, Gino was his name. Gino says, uh, Gino, uh, you know, Gary, this is uh, Larry, he's a good friend of mine. Gino, I'm, uh, you know, uh, uh, this guy, you know each other, you, you two should get along. And I said, oh, hi, and I shook his hand and he pulls his hand away and he pulls out a 45 automatic silver army 45 Colt and he holds it to my head. Boom. Like this. Hold it to my head. And he says to Gino, you fuck, you brought a cop. Why did you do that, man? Why did you do that? And, and he's really serious, man. And I'm saying, I'm not a cop, man. What's going on? I don't, what have I been brought into? And Gino was saying, no, no, he's not a cop. He's my friend. This guy's a good guy, man. No, what are you talking about? And um, now, later, it turned out, I got out of this alive, as you can see. Uh, but um, later, I found out he's a drug dealer, a major drug dealer. So that's what was going on. And I had no idea about this. So he's saying, this guy's a cop, man. Why did you bring this cop here? And then, which is the worst, this is the worst words I've ever heard in my presence is, um, he's holding a gun to my, to my head and he's saying, why did you do this, man? Why did you do this? And all I could read from what was going through his mind is, 
I'm going to have to kill this guy. Why did you do that? Why didn't you make me kill somebody? That's what he was saying. Oh, my God. And Gino is pleading. He's saying, no, no, man. He's an okay guy. He's an okay guy. Have you ever seen the committee? You know, he was just grabbing for shit. Now, the committee was a, a theater that was actually two blocks away from this guy's apartment right at the moment. So he said, have you ever been to the committee? Have you ever been to the committee? And he goes, yeah, yeah, what about it? He said, well, he's in the committee. And the guy says, fuck, man, this guy's in the committee. He said, hey, this is a funny guy, man. Hey, this is a funny, wow, I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Hey, oh, Jesus, come on in, man. Come on in, you know. <laughs> like, sorry, I was about to kill you. You're a good guy. You're a funny guy. That really happened oh, exactly the way that I told you. He, he reckoned, thank God he had been to the committee. Thank <laughs> God. Two blocks away. Yeah, I mean, but that's because, I mean, that wasn't so much the dyslexic. The, the thing, I, but, it, but it was because between the ADHD and the dyslexia, I couldn't figure out what to say or what to do. No, there's no, I'm an actor. I say, I say that all the time now to people. Where have I seen you? Where have I seen, have you ever been to the committee? Have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Oh, right, yeah, that's who you are. And I think it comes from that particular moment where I should have said, have you ever seen the committee? Have you ever watched television? You know, that's where you've seen me. Because a lot of people recognize me, but they don't recognize where they know me from. You know, uh -oh. I mean, in the beginning, now, I think I've, I've, I've been on so long that mm -hmm. they finally know, okay, he's a television actor. Because now they come up and they say, How, you know, where do I know you from? They say, you're an actor, right? I go, yeah. See, that, that's, but back then, no. Whew, no anyway, yet. that's, I mean, but I got a lot of those stories. I, I, and they're all true, man. <laughs> I don't lie. I don't. Man, I had no idea you lived such a crazy life, man. Wow. Nobody loved The only person who knows it is me. I've lived <laughs> such a weird life. And it's because of the ADHD and the dyslexia. Because I, a lot of times, and, well, to, to finish the thought of why I got to that story was, so I managed to weave my way through life with ADHD and dyslexia, which gets me into all kinds of trouble, like I just said. But I managed to do it and still stay alive and be okay. And you know, maybe once or twice or three times it happened that bad. You're listening to the Rabbit Chewing Show. Oh boy, I haven't got no one. How about that? Man, that voice sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Well, I'm the voice of Little Quacker for Tom and Jerry cartoons. And I used to be the voice of Donald Duck at Disney back in the day with records and toys. And uh, so I did a lot of that. And, uh, you know, it, it's been great. We're in our sixth season of Tom and Jerry. So I'm a baby duck. And he sounds like this. Oh, you're the mama. I'm the mama. Oh, boy. And, of course, Donald, he's any little thing will send him off. You know, he'll be like, Oh, wake up me down here. That brings back so much nostalgia right there. Yeah, I enjoy doing him. Uh, I, I like to do supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in that voice. It's, uh, you know, it's fun to do. 
That's some talent right there. <laughs> well, I guess talent is uh, is subjective. So, but thanks, I appreciate it. And um, what what got you into voice acting? You won't believe this. When I started my career, I was a serious song and dance man, sing, dance, act. That was my thing. I did musicals, and I was 19, and I auditioned as a dancer for a show called Disney on Parade. You see it today as Disney on Ice. So what they skated, we used to run. So we used to call ourselves Holiday on Wood. It was hilarious. <laughs> so what you see, like the ice shows, Disney on Ice, back in the day, it was a dance show. And I was an original cast member in a show called, this show called Disney on Parade. And I was in the original Snow White unit, choreographed by Academy Award winner, uh, Anna White, who choreographed Music Man, Bye Bye Birdie. She won the Academy Award for Oliver. And two years later, I was working for her. Well, I'm in the show as a dancer, a lead dancer. And lo and behold, at rehearsal one day, I sat down at the piano and we on a break and did a bunch of voices. One was Donald Duck. And they went, you're the voice of Donald Duck for the show. We need you to do it live 10 to 14 shows a week. Wow. So I was with the show for a year and a half. And then every uh, unit after that, I would go and do the next unit and the next unit and the next unit and uh, do the voice of Donald Duck. And I did it live and I did shows back then called What's My Line and radio programs like this, radio shows, you know, where I'd advertise the Disney show. And uh, so that got me started. Then I went over to the studio and I was still dancing. I danced in the movie Mame with Lucille Ball. And I did Hello Dolly, and I did uh, The Music Man. I did all these musicals in Summer Stock, and then I did At Long Last Love with Madeline Kahn uh, as a dancer. But I wanted to get out of dancing, and I became an actor. And so you can see me on TV shows like Family Ties, Bob Newhart, Airwolf, Movies of the Week back then, lots of commercials. And I was always doing Donald Duck. Uh, for records and toys back then. So if you have a, an album called, let's see, oh, I have one right here. Wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> totally mini. If you have this album, I'm the voice of Donald Duck on this, on this, uh, this album, this record. And I did toys like the talking animated audio animatronic Mickey Mouse doll and talking books and things like that. And then many years later, I got a call out of the blue saying, you still do a good duck? And I go, yeah, who are you? And it was the, <laughs> the, the director uh, and the uh, animator of Tom and Jerry cartoons, and they needed a baby duck. And he remembered me from Disney Studios. So I just got very lucky. <laughs> You're a busy guy, man. Yeah, man, I was a serious actor. I did Grant, you know, back in the day with Ed Asner. We're still friends. Ed Asner won seven Emmys, by the way. And uh, he's 90. Damn. Yeah, he's quite an actor. He's been a, uh, a great uh, mentor for me. And I did a lot of acting, straight stuff, you know, comedy, sitcoms, plays, musicals, you name it. I did everything. I could do everything except make a living. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> You're a very funny guy, man. You're a natural. Oh, well, thank you. You're not so bad yourself from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so you must find acting real easy, right? Was it easy, like, from the start? No. I mean, it's a natural, I have a natural, I guess, a natural gift for it. But acting is about research and, and creating the character and getting it down and, you know, getting it right, getting the right attitude. 
point of view, attitude, and then the material, you know. Uh, I took a class once. I studied with everybody. Trust me. I studied <laughs> acting with eight. I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse, Stella Adler, the UCLA MFA acting workshop. I wanted a career as an actor. So I studied. And what you learn is to break down a script and you learn to break down every line that you do. And it's what you don't say that carries more weight than what you do say as an actor. Now I'm teaching. I'm sorry. Oh, we man, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, but that's basically what it is. I mean, it, I don't want to get too dull and boring here, but, uh, you know, I am still dancing professionally. You know, I am the male stripper at the Jewish Home for the Aged here <laughs> in Reseda, California. So it's a great job. You come back the next day, they think you're the new guy. It's always <laughs> fun. Always something new every day, huh? Oh, instead of dollar bills in your speedo, they drop quarters. <laughs> I mean, after twenty quarters, come on, you're dragging your speedo on the ground. It doesn't look good. So, how how are you dealing with the coin shortage? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing well. I got a lot of coins. I just haven't turned them in. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I'm up to here in coins. So. <laughs> Swimming in it. <laughs> I'm swimming in coins. I get enough quarters to last me. Uh, I can get to a parking meter and stay there all for months at a time. <laughs> That's what I can do. I needed to know why I survived. There was so many reasons why you don't survive, right? Even in like in our community or great, greater Vancouver in the last week, um, a plane flipped in a river, which was exactly what happened to me. And they, ha they still haven't found them, right? And, and mine happened just as the sun was going down. So it was black. So we were basically, we disappeared from the earth. And gravity's pulling you in the wrong direction. There's, lot, there's lots of moving parts, right? So um, the first thing I decided, and I had been a lifeguard, thank goodness. I was very confident swimmer, very confident in the water. So I decided to swallow, to keep whatever little oxygen remained in my system, in my system. Because if you can imagine, you know, if you've ever snorkeled, you, you blow out, then you're done. <laughs> Oh. So I swallowed the water, which was gasoline and, oh. and, um, and then I tried um, very hard to get out, like pushing my feet off, like trying to find the, the three point harness. And, you know, you could, I could feel it digging into my, my skin and I couldn't, I, I, I was trapped, put it that way. I was trapped. And so I'm not sure how much time passed. Like I, I experienced Einstein's theory of relativity where time is really only um, relative to the observer. And I, I felt my body start to lose its oxygen. So if you've ever swum underwater as far as you could go and all the tingling that happens in your arms and your legs, you know that you got to come up. Right? <laughs> but I couldn't come up. Oh but that God. was happening to me. And so I thought, oh my God, I, I, do you think I'm going to die? And um, 
And at that point, my life began to flash in front of my eyes, like millions and millions of images. And I felt myself separate from that whole experience. So not sure in psychology if it would be like a disassociation or a double association or potentially I was actually dying and leaving my body like a lot of people that experience out-of-body sensations for near-death experience. I have no way of defining that, but I really do feel like I had a, a near-death experience. Oh my God. Um, so I was sort of not, um, not so concerned. I was watching these billions of images, just like an old time ticker tape movie, going through from my birth all the way through to today. And then it moved beyond my death. So within my mind, I was able to visualize or I had the story unfold of what would happen over the next few days. Oh my and, God. Yeah. So I um, visualized that our local police um, force, RCMP, that two officers were walking through my parents' front yard and they walked up their big red brick steps and they knocked on the old wooden door. And my parents answered the door and I couldn't hear the conversation, but I could see their facial expressions change. Went from curiosity, like, why are you here? To, you know, you could see the the dawning of knowledge to the expression of horror and at that point my mom she collapsed to the floor <clears throat> and she put her hands over her head and she screamed it's been like 30 years it always gets me emotionally you see those neural pathways um, she screamed so loud inside my head that it snapped me back into my reality, that I was upside down drowning in a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. And I made a vow, I made a promise. I was not gonna do that to them. I was not gonna die, that I was getting out of the plane and I was getting out of it now. Damn, <coughs> you just gave me the chills. That's crazy, oh my yeah. God. Well, what's coming next is even crazier. So you, it's always very peaceful while that was happening until you snapped out of it. And it was, you know, I could feel my hair <clears throat> pulling through my eyelids, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't invested, put it that way. I felt there was no pain where I was yet. I think I was far enough gone that there was no, it was, um, it was peaceful and I, I probably could have gone there if it wasn't for um, the pain that I would have caused other people. Wow. But once I made that choice, my brain, my subconscious brain took over. And what happened was all of those pictures that had flashed forward in time began to flash in reverse backward in time and then the images stopped and right in front of my mind's eye was the image from a, a movie a scene in a movie that I'd watched decades before I didn't know the name of the movies or the names of the actors or what the movie was about I never knew that for 25 years 
someone else finally told me what the movie was. But the scene was a commander that was training young pilots in a pool setting how to escape a plane that would crash and overturn in water. And it was this cage, this plane cockpit that was on this big slide and it would be thrown down the slide and when it hit the surface of the water, it would flip. And this commander was walking, not walking, yelling at these other, other students, these young pi pilots in training, what they were supposed to do. He kept saying, this young man is gonna die if he doesn't do this. This young man is gonna die if he doesn't do this. This young man is gonna die. And so I followed the script and I escaped the plane. Oh my God. So I'm here to tell you, <laughs> even in life's most dire circumstances, when you're out of breath, when you're out of time, we still have the ability to make choice. As long as we make the choice, as long as we don't say, I can't get out, it's not possible. It never, there's no way all of that, I'm certain I would have died. But because I said I'm getting out, my brain sourced that information. It gave me the information I needed. You see, our brain doesn't recognize the difference between reality and fantasy. Everything we've ever experienced, real or imagined, becomes a source of learning. And it's there if we ask the right way. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little blonde at times. I didn't know what clitoris was. She's not a little blonde. She's a lot of blonde. <laughs> so, so I'm I, sorry. I'm still young. I told her, look. A yeah, moth, her brain still hasn't fully developed. <laughs> I told her, a moth is a night butterfly. And she's like, what's that? <laughs> and I'm like, it's a butterfly that comes out at night. Oh <laughs> a hey, moth. So how old were you when you found out what a clitoris is? So that's this year. That, that was six months ago, yes. guys. <laughs> six well, months ago. Okay, okay. So, like, I, I, I'm sorry. I never had, like, those classes in high school. I know where my stuff are at, but I don't know. They, I didn't know they had a certain name. So you oh, know shit. What? So she's like, I didn't, I didn't know these things were called fingers. <laughs> but know. I knew there were stuff. No. She knows I a lot of stuff. I know. The Clytoris is a dinosaur, guys. I played Cards Against Humanity and I learned what a clitoris was and what a bukkake means. <laughs> so, um, the, when you first heard clitoris, did you think it was like a dinosaur, like clitorosaurus? Or... Because you, I think so, because you, when I read the you part, said clitoris. Yeah, clitoris. She's like, somebody has to lick somebody's clitoris. We're like, what the fuck dinosaur is that? Because I remember when we we when uh, we were playing Cards Against Humanity, and you all, Bukaki, what's that? And I'm like, Google it. <laughs> I did Google it, and then I asked you what it meant, and then, yeah, I know what I mean. So what did Google tell you it is? Or was, I don't was know. There like, videos? I don't remember. It just said that, like, all I know, it's like a lot of guys coming on you or some shit like that. Or... Yep, it's a baby shower. Yeah, so, so if, you guys, if you guys hear this later on... Um, I'm not, I'm not a perverted person. It's just that I hang out with my friends, Chewy and Juan. And we're perverted? Yeah, you guys are fucking perverted. <laughs> Why? How are we perverted, though? Because you guys always talk about perverted stuff. 
like pussy. Like yeah, like specify. Well, it's because we were explaining what a clitoris is to the person that didn't know how to pronounce a part that's in their I body. I know, I know what it is. I know how to pronounce it. So, now. so did you like <clears throat> feel the clitoris before? You just never knew its name. <laughs> You're like, it's that wrinkly thing. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get the shit out of my clitoris. Okay. okay, next question. Please. Okay, my bad. I, didn't realize. <laughs> I, f- I forget we're recording. You know. All right, so if you were in a Pokemon battle, oh, and you had to choose Pokemon. to go against like a clitorosaurus okay, <laughs> or Bulbasaur, which one would you choose? Okay, what would clitorosaurus' attacks be? It'll be like it'll be it'll be like a water type. <laughs> oh, hey, it's called WAP. The WAP attack. The WAP attack. <laughs> Wet ass pussy attack. Oh my god. It'll also squirt on you sometimes. So what if it has like a? <laughs> has okay, a, guys, we're going public. Um, this is gonna come out on YouTube. Um, yeah, I know. And all major platforms. <laughs> and a, a video. A video was leaked. With Arlene and some friends talking perverted stuff. And then you get canceled. Yep. That's canceled. That's what we're trying to do now. We're trying to fuck you up. That way you don't get famous. Fuck you, Damn. I mean, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to help her, bro. That's fucked up. I'm kidding. She's a good singer. She is. So, if the clitorosaurus squirts, do you think it'd be an acid acid water attack? Or you like the pH levels high? It depends if it has um, a yeast infection. So it'd be oh more like God. a, it'd be more like a thicker consistency. Yeah, so like it's not like depending. Cheese. You know how there's different elements. Mm-hmm. So there would be the one with like the yeast infection. Then you have the herpes. So depending on what kind of thing, you know, it would have a side effect. <laughs> Look at this guy's dickhead, dude. Oh. <laughs> I think I would have to go gay on this one, and probably. Something you would gay. suck a penis. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. Yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S. And it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S. And then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. How many times have you been in a situation or seen a situation or a video where somebody got badly hurt or attacked where and you think this could have all been avoided if the victim knew self-defense or had a weapon well don't become a victim hit up tucson's rising phoenix fitness and defense they offer real world self-defense 
training and it is their mission to meet people at their comfort zones physically psychologically technically and of course financially during these troubling times as they offer sliding scale pricing now if you ask me martial arts is not just self-defense but it's also very therapeutic it's good for your health and good for your mental health as well it can treat depression and anxiety these guys are passionate about what they do in fact i seen his facebook post saying even if they lose their business he will teach people martial arts at the park please support local business now not only do they offer self-defense training but also gun handling classes and this is accredited to your carry conceal permit hit up tucson's rising phoenix fitness and defense located at 4500 east speedway boulevard number four tucson az 85712 you can call them at 520-838-1592 Hey, this is James Goy Jr. And you're listening to The Screaming Chewy Show. And that is that I myself was possessed by a demon. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell, right? For, for about a week. And I'll tell you how it came around. In my, in my early 20s, I was a, a uh, telemarketing uh, manager uh, and at different places over the years. And... Um, but at this one particular time, I worked for what they call a social introduction service, which was basically an expensive, back in the 80s, expensive dating service. You paid 600 and something dollars or whatever. And then we, the company matched, they had a psychologist on staff, you know, part-time. And they, they match you up with uh, uh, income uh, and uh, uh, educational level and just everything you were looking for. And so they, they do quality matches. That's fancy. And, yeah, right. And so I ran the phone room and uh, I basically worked myself almost to death. I, I ended up having a nervous breakdown. I had to leave that job because I worked 12, day, 12 uh, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, uh, officially nine to nine. But I also had to get to work early and re leave late after nine, obviously. So oh, my God. 14 hour days, seven days a week every day of the year because you know even on christmas you're calling people the loneliest people are home alone on christmas right so so it finally broke me but i was there for quite a while and Damn. Uh, but one day this young uh this young woman that i had just hired um she was a a, a cute you know a petite um uh, and very cute, but dark, like, you know, like one of those spooky chicks, like she'd be goth or something, right? Oh, man, those are uh, so attractive. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, yeah, you're cute. I don't care if you don't have any experience, you're hired. <laughs> but anyway, uh, one night, she hadn't been there just a couple days, I think. And one night she asked me, can you, um, can you drive me home? You know, my car is whatever and the bus, I don't know what, what it was. But I said, yeah, sure. She's down in San Ysidro. Uh, California, which is right at the Mexican border. And so I, um, I drive her home. I had a 1970 Volkswagen uh, bug, right? Uh, Beetle. So I remember that. So I drove her down and she lived in this little uh, trailer park in a little travel trailer. I forget, maybe it's 25, 30 feet. It's pretty, pretty small little thing. 
And uh, you, you can see Tijuana, you know, in the background. So like you're right there at the border. And uh, so she says, uh, oh, you want to come in? And I said, okay, sure, you know, come in. And I, so I went in and uh, we're sitting there. Uh, I was on a chair, she was on the couch and we're kind of talking and, and uh, she had a, uh, I play guitar a little, you know, self-taught and she had a um, acoustic guitar, nylon strings, like a classical type guitar. And I said, uh, uh, you know, oh you, oh, you play or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah. I said, well, you know, play something. Well, she picks up the guitar and she starts, you know, kind of like banging on it and singing something. But then all of a sudden everything changed and it wasn't her voice anymore. It was a man's voice, like a what man's the voice. Fuck? Right, right. <clears throat> and you would think Holy that right there, like if you're watching a movie and you see that happen, right? You're like, damn, I'd be out of there right now. And that's what I would think. But but it wasn't like that because i was i was taken into a whole different realm of experience and i'm like well wait a second now i want to know what's happening you know and uh so just one thing led to the other and and we're talking and but here's the thing she was possessed by a demon so she was playing guitar and singing and her voice turned into a man's into voice. A man's voice right whoa so, so what's going on here is that she is possessed by this demon. I learned through the night. Uh, she shows me a picture of her uh, son who his eyes were black. Like you, you just get the creeps looking at him. So, you know, he had a demon energy in him, but uh, the, the demon. So, so here we go. We're talking half, half the night. I don't know hours, but half the time I'm talking to her with her voice and half the time I'm talking to the man with the man voice. And when I was talking to the man voice, he told me that we we sent, I, I asked about Monica's, I'll call her Monica, that wasn't her name, but when I, I have written something about her, I haven't published, but uh, I called her, uh, I'll call her Monica in the book. But anyway, um, I, he, I asked about Monica's uh, son and he said, well, we sent him away. She had told me he's not living with her. We sent them away because uh, I, we need all of, uh, her energy for me, like all of her life force needed to be for this thing. But when I was talking to her and I'm like, well, wait a second, what's, what's going on? Uh, you're just talking in a man's voice. Like I'm trying to process all this as this young 20 something year old guy who never, you know, wasn't prepared for anything like this. I was just driving somebody home from work. And uh, what, you know, what was that about? And she's like, well, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, a man's voice and, and then uh, something else that I actually forgot until right now is that during the night there's someone I know in my life who from way back from New Jersey who is a very a dark person and has dabbled in dark stuff right and um, at one point I'm talking to Monica and her face and, and actually, I just remembered this too. It's the second time I've seen this happen. One time I was on a, on a date with a woman many years ago, and um, I was uh, with this woman in a private setting, you know, all that kind of a thing. And, uh, and we're face to face like this. And all of a sudden, her face just transformed into that woman that I know from New Jersey, who's into the dark stuff. Like it was now this other woman. Well, what the yeah, fuck? <laughs> it gets better. So <laughs> that's creepy. Yeah, it is very creepy. 
So I'm with uh, Monica now and her face changed into that other woman. Yeah. And it was free. And then of course, when, when it changed back, I said, well, wait a second, you were just so-and-so what, what the hell's going on here? And she's like, well, what, I, what are you talking about? And so she, she genuinely did not know she was possessed by a demon. She was able to work a job right before, um, either before, I guess after, but maybe before too, but she, she did waitress work and she came in to do the, the telemarketing job. And by the way, if I forget, she never came back after this night. She never came back to the work, no call or anything. But um, so uh, so there's this bizarre conversation. I don't know if you've ever heard of the EST training, E-S-T is uh, from the 80s. Later, it, it evolved into the forum or something, but it's this consciousness supposedly raising experience, two full weekends, like from morning deep into the night sometimes two full weekends with a wednesday in between and uh, and i went through that um the the fellow who uh, who owned the business that i worked for the the social introduction service he had gone through est and uh and then another uh, job i was at um uh before that uh, the um the sales manager. I was the uh, I was the production manager for Silstree's job. He was the sales manager, and this thing was four hundred dollars. I didn't have four hundred dollars, but he got his girlfriend who had the bucks, uh, loaned me the money, and uh, so I did the S training. Anyway, this thing that was in her, without knowing, like she didn't know. She didn't even know anything yet. She just got there. He knew that I had not only that I had done the S training, but he was bringing up all these things I had learned and twisting them around to put a new slant on them. And his whole message to me that night, so this was a pivotal, now that I think about it, uh, this was really a pivotal point in my life because he's, his whole goal that night was to, and now that I think about it, I'm sure he orchestrated the whole thing of where she needed the ride, too, because they have that kind of power. They can make a car not run. They, they can do anything they want. And it's got to be a hot chick, right? You know, you know, we'll be like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. Right. You know, if you were a dog, yeah, no, but, you know, <laughs> call you a cab. But no, but she, you know, she was cute and I was young and I was single. And uh, but anyway, um Oh, let's see. I think I lost my my train of thought there. He was. Um, oh, you're saying that he orchestrated the whole thing? Yeah. yeah. So like he he yeah, had orchestrated that, but um, uh, let's see. So we have this whole. At one point, I remember I went in the bathroom and I'm trying to like collect myself and and like what's going on here. And I had my hands on gripping the sink and I'm I'm looking in the the mirror, and uh, and I realized the whole the whole trailer was buzzing like there was just intense energy like zzz, like this and my pupils were just completely dilated it was, yeah. it was freaky like I, i'm not even looking at myself right i'm looking at something that's just bizarre and so uh finally i um i go home you know like i, I end up leaving and uh, I'm trying to think if anything really interesting more happened there. It was a lot of interesting talking and stuff. But anyway, I finally leave. And uh, so I'm inching away from the trailer, you know, in my little Volkswagen bug. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I'm just like, man, you know, what, what the hell happened? And then um, 
I, I might, I don't know if I have the exact, yeah, sequence of events. I remember yesterday, I mean, uh, the next day I was uh, driving on University Avenue in San Diego. I, met, I remember the block I was on and all of a sudden it hit me like I remembered what had happened. I woke up not really thinking about it, but all of a sudden, boom, this came in of what had happened. And I, I pulled over the car, I could barely pull over the car and I just burst out just crying and sobbing and, and just shaking like what the hell. Hello, this is Gefilta from The Gefilta Show, and Screaming Chewy has been one of my dearest friends in this podcasting community, and here are some of the great moments that I've shared with him on my show and on his to celebrate his 100th episode. Congratulations, Screaming Chewy. You deserve it. You may, like... I'm gonna get with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call Elon Musk. I have him on speed dial. But Elon Musk, we need to invent stun guns. Done like, now, yeah. and with a, with a lethal option. That way, you don't have to switch weapons. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Just the same way they have it in there. They, they're like switch your switch your guns to stun. And then they look at Princess Leia. Boom, stunner. She just falls. Maybe has a little bit of damage because she fell, but she's alive. She's not dead. They're not dead. She's restrained. <laughs> We're good. Imagine no one that one asshole that forgot to switch it to stun. Oh man, <laughs> it's all like the leader of the rebellion resistance, and like switch to stun. All right, you goddamn, you just killed him. Lord Vader's gonna have our heads. This goddamn killed Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah, oh man, killed his daughter. Yeah, I don't know, man. We need we need to do something in the long run. The short short run awareness stuff, like all it is is awareness. We need to make action. We need to make movement. Hey, um, and you know how you were talking about the Joker, how he was yeah. saying about people like when the chips fall, they turn against each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was obviously the bad guy in that movie. Of course, he didn't care about people's lives, but was in a he? way, he was did. He? Yeah, exactly. Because that whole when there was like those he two said, ships, he was ahead of the curve. <laughs> when they were in those two ships and they each had the detonator, you thought they were gonna be like, fuck that, let's blow them up first. Nope. Nobody blew each other up. They came together, all different races. There was even cops and guards in there with the inmates. They came together. And it's a powerful movement that the biggest black guy that looked scariest, it was it was the Debo guy, same actor. Yes, it was. <laughs> that the biggest that they made the biggest scariest black guy get up, grab the thing, and he goes, Give it to me. Picks it up, throws it out the window, and then everyone on there knew that they were gonna die because they couldn't set it off anymore they had no more options but he said we're criminals motherfucker we gotta die and y'all signed up for this job as cops so y'all gonna die with us so that's a good point it's like crit it's like i wish people just realize what what they're doing more too like criminals you're doing bad shit you're gonna get punished you're gonna get punished should you die for it every time i don't think so i feel like we can fix the world with kindness more kindness around but when the people act up, you definitely have to be firm. Imagine Debo when he grabbed the switch. He's like, that's my switch, fool. Yeah, right. That's my switch, fool. But uh, talking about criminals dying up, I don't know how where you stand about lethal injection or capital punishment. Like, I have mixed feelings about that yeah. because, yes, there's many innocent people in prison, you know, due to certain situations, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And corruption. And definitely. But, I mean, there's some motherfuckers that, like, if you're on video torturing and killing somebody and for sure it's you, 
kill that motherfucker. Just right. You know. Why, why are we spending money keeping him alive for the rest of his life in a cell? You know. There's some sick people out there, man, but I, and they I don't, don't know, care man. about human lives. I don't but, know. But that's not the general population, you know. Oh yeah, but I mean, when you think about it, like in the Batman universe, all those motherfuckers are horrible. Mr. Freeze was out there freezing so many people. The Joker with, with cheesy do, '90s jokes. Yeah, the Joker destroyed hundreds, thousands of people in Gotham, terrorized them. Even the same with that guy Victor Saz. He kept carving himself every time he killed somebody with his knife. Like, but they, but yet in that universe, they keep them locked up. They just put them in Arkham Asylum. Why wouldn't they just execute them? I don't know. I just feel like it, it's the nice thing to do to still let somebody live their life. Because back then, I almost feel like we never got rid of that whole, you know, old school way where there's someone that's punished. All right, to the fucking gallows he goes. And then we have to line him up, hang them all. <laughs> the whole the whole neighborhood watches. All right, they're dead. You know, boom, done. Take your kids and family. <laughs> yeah. Like, at what point did we say, all right, we're no longer going to hang people. All right, we're no longer going to behead people. We're no longer going to, you know, crucify. It's crazy that there was a generation many centuries before us that saw that normal. And if you and me were walking down the street and we just saw people being hung, we'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? We were so unsensitized. But back then, that was the norm. Kids and families would gather around to watch the hanging happen so they know the guy that raped this neighborhood's woman, whatever, over here can get justice. justice. And they didn't even need proof. It was just people saying, hey, that guy raped somebody. And they'd be like, yeah, hang him. Hang him. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy how we've evolved as a people. How do you think they're going to do it in the future? I don't know, man. You, you think there'll be no killings at all? I don't know, man. But us destroying each other definitely is not the way for us to keep living. I, I think they should do it like, you know, in the future when we're spaceships. Do it like in, uh, fuck, what movie was it? One of the Guardians of the Galaxy where they're in that vacuum seal and they just open the door and just, just release them into space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, just let bodies just float around in the cold of space. Good morrow. This is Drew from the Drew World Order. And allow me to be the 95th to say Chewy. Congratulations on 100 episodes. When you began this game, you were just a young pup with an unbridled passion for podcasting. Now you have become the master. Love your show. Love your work. You're an overall awesome dude and somebody that all human beings should strive to be more like. Tip of the cap to you, Chewy World Order, and congratulations on the 100 episodes. Here's to another 100, and Quantavius D uh, sends his regards, and he says that he will buy you a Cherry Coke, a Cola, Icy. From the Drew World Order, way to go, Chewy. Here's the other interesting thing. I keep bumping things. I'm sorry. But let's. Oh, it's okay. So we've heard Trump's administration say we're going to give everybody like a stimulus package. All right. What happens if they shut everything down? This is the worst case scenario. But these people, the people that run the world, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm not talking about his administration. I'm talking about like Jared Kushner 
is in with him. I'm not say, even saying that Jared Kushner, which is Trump's son-in-law, that guy is very instrumental to who's running Trump. And not even he is the handler, because even he's working for somebody. But we're They're all puppies. Yes, exactly. We're talking the, the deep-rooted, the families. You go back to ancient Egypt and Babylon, these families that have been maneuvering and like circling the globe the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. And if you like the Rockefellers, David Rockefeller admits it in his books. They talk about this stuff. Fox News and CNN aren't going to talk about it because if you own that company and you were trying to do this, would you let that come? Would you tell that newscaster or that company, hey, I want you to tell them what I'm doing to them? No, they've got other ways of telling us predictive programming, stuff like that. Uh, thought in subliminal. Yes, exactly. So. Like, that's who we're really talking about. You, people have got to stop looking at the left-right paradigm here. Because mm -hmm. it's so, it's bullshit. It's, it's ridiculous. The real owners, the people that started the Federal Reserve, read the creature from Jekyll Island, the people that own the land, the Queen of England, the real fucking, the real. And some of those folks are probably, have never even been out in the open. Some of those families could possibly not even be accurate. I mean, Fritz Springmeier has a pretty good detailed rundown on who he identifies as the 13 bloodlines, like the Vanderbilts, like these ancient royal bloodlines that have just kind of maneuvered the way through the planet or all over the planet since, fuck, the Cataclysm or the Atlantis Lumeria. These are the people that, you know, I kind of subscribe to. This would be your Anunnaki hybrid bloodlines. And not to get too far into that, you know, if, we, if you don't want to, but I'm just saying like... Oh, no, go ahead, man. Talk about whatever you want, man. This is fucking interesting as fuck. I mean, these, these, the bloodlines. So Tom Ashcroft, which was George W. Bush's attorney general, when he was given a new position of power or one political office or whatnot, his father anointed him on the, uh, the forehead with crocodile fat. That is an ancient Egyptian ritual. Yeah. That, that, that's like, the, yeah, that's a, that's from a secret society in ancient Egypt. The powers that be, and depending on how deep you want to go, because I believe that it's interesting to me that this agenda has rolled on through generation, through millennial, through century. And it's kind of, it just seems to keep going. Why? Mm -hmm. I believe it's because there's a force or a consciousness. And it's not really what I believe. It's what the Gnostics talk about. It's what uh, some of these researchers hint at. There's a, there's a force or there's some sort of energy in the metaphysical universe that is possessing people on earth or people that are certain genetic strain, the bloodline, you know, that's dude. Clinton could be a Rockefeller. Uh, they plant their fucking, they monitor their bloodline and they make sure that people in that bloodline rise to certain positions of power through the secret society network, through the good old boy network. Most of them's men and men like most of the Illuminati and shit are men, you know, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy how deep, and that's kind of what I was talking about in the rabbit hole situation or the rabbit hole episode, how deep you want to go down the rabbit hole, because even if you want to go all the way, there's still like distractions and pitfalls that you can fall in, you know? Uh, and they do that on purpose to confuse and whatnot. I have just rambled. To throw you off, right? Yeah, exactly. Posse commentatus basically means on the streets. Here you go. Posse Comitatus Act outlaws the willful use of any part of the Army or Air Force to execute the law. 
so that was suspended back in the like 80s and 1981. So they can have troops on the streets now. Holy shit, dude. And once they do that, like you pretty much have no rights, right? Well, when the military it takes over and right now we are in, okay, this is interesting too. The difference between common law, maritime law, which is admiralty law, admiralty law, and then martial law, mil- military law, hmm. uh, individual sovereignty. We should do an episode on social security. Like when you are born, okay. Ever wonder why your name is in all caps on all your government documents? Basically, your social security number is like a registered asset on the stock exchange and the people that run the world are literally hedging like our debt i mean it, it fucking blows me away i'll have to find my my notes whoa because when I, basically we are nothing more than cattle that that's what they they are betting and they're they're literally they're parasites dude they're parasiting off of everything creative uh spot like just beautiful because they remember they can't create the Nag Hammadi texts, the Gnostics say that this Archon force, the Reptilians, the Anunnaki, they don't have the ability to create from will. Because as uh, the Nag Hammadi texts say, when this force was created by God or the creator of the universe, it what it did was the divine light of the creator, it somehow captured that and has been manipulating that manipulating us into decoding this false sense of light the matrix if you will Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just Google that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game 
or die playing PUBG or some shit, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just check out my YouTube and uh, Twitter. It's at Ch Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy Show. I should change it to that. But for now, it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.